Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. My name is Mike Delicio, and I serve as the host of this podcast, and I am joined, as always, with Sebastian Dennison. Seb, this is funny because this is almost a year of recording, uh, I would say, remotely, where we haven't had the ability to be in our own studio, and I would say more often than not, most of our episodes have been churned out virtually, so good to see you again. Uh, it's fun to see you over Zoom, and this is actually becoming really comfortable, and it's actually working because we can bring in so many diverse guests. So today is no different. It is. It is no different, and we are joined uh, by somebody who's appeared on the podcast in the past uh, when she had the ability to go over, you know, pediatric conditions and a lot of pediatric compounding ideas, and that I would say is um, not the basis of her total level of understanding and her knowledge, but we are welcoming back Trisha Heitman, who is a member of our clinical services team, back to the podcast. So Trisha, welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. It's always fun to be on a podcast with the two of you. Well, it's always great to see you as well. I know we are visually over Zoom. Our audience can obviously hear a lot of the great information that you're about to share today. And, and while we're not going to be discussing pediatrics this time around, I think we're going to be covering a pretty cool topic that I would like to say is not forgotten, um, but it doesn't come to everybody's top of mind when they think about compounding opportunities and new ways to market, new ways to engage with prescribers. I think for the most part, we, we put a huge emphasis and compounders themselves put a huge emphasis on hormone replacement therapy, on pain management, on pediatrics, um, things that we believe truly exist. And it is the overall nature of our marketplace. Majority prescribers do fall into some of those categories, not excluding things like vet and germ that we've also covered on the podcast. But what's interesting to me is the whole topic of dentistry and, you know, a different prescriber base that sometimes a lot of those individuals are not familiar what options are available to them. Uh, what are available to those patients, and they could be kids as well. So that can also branch into your expertise and your knowledge in regards to pediatrics. But this is a really cool topic. You actually wrote a blog, Trish, that was posted on the 27th of January this year that covered a lot of the content that we're going to be discussing today. So, you know, overall, your experience, your knowledge base within our clinical services team manages a lot of requests that come through that potentially might be a prescription for dental compounding. Um, what interests you within this field and where do you believe that, you know, there is an overall opportunity? And I don't want to use the word forgotten, but in your perspective, you know, what does it mean when somebody's trying to build their compounding practice as well? Sure. Um, you know, I agree with you. I mean, dental has been around since I've been around and that's like more than 20 years. We've been talking about dental options, but, um, and before that, but, um, you know, what I think is interesting about dental is there are several different key, um, say disease states that have just don't have really great options for treatment. So, um, for mainstream treatment, um, and so I think that's where it comes in and we're trying to fill a need um, within the dental space uh, by providing some treatment alternatives for things like 
um, burning mouth or lichen sclerosis or things like that that say don't have um, just a, a perfect treatment option. There, there's just not you know anything commercially available that's really um, taking care of the problem. So you know I think that's where we step in the best, really in in most of most areas, but especially in dental. Um, because we do have several treatment options that we can provide. And I know that we had a keynote speaker at International that kind of almost brought it up again. And people were starting to ask the questions about dentistry and, and all these diverse parts of practice. But I, I'm going to kind of key in on a few things and say, like, look, we have to be flexible. And obviously, it's patient focused. And there's legislation around this because dental offices, and this is, we, we got to cover this first as a regulatory piece is dentist office usually say, I want this for the office practice, but can, can we currently do that? Because that's, that's the first hurdle that we see with dental practice. Right. We have to have patient, uh, patient specific prescriptions. I mean, that, that is definitely the key to doing dental products right now. And I know a, a lot of dentists are, used to the way that we um, were able to practice before, um, but currently we cannot um, provide office use products that would be used for multiple patients off of one prescription. Um, I still get calls from members that um, say that dentists are asking for that or uh, they'll wanna write, um, you know, using say um, a family member's name or a someone who works there, the, the office manager's name on the script, just be really careful about that because it's something you wanna avoid um, doing. Um, and one way you can tell is just by the, the amount of, um, or the volume that they're requiring or the number of doses they're requiring. You just don't wanna be um, providing for one patient you know, 30 ml of uh, anesthetic that they're going to put in their mouth as an example. Um, that's just a really big red flag and you just don't want to be caught doing that. You don't want to do that at all. So. But, but turning it back now, how do you then talk to the office about getting them to start prescribing compounds? I mean, what are some of the key focusing pieces that you can get people to get started? I think just explaining to them that you can still provide the service to them, um, they're just going to need to um, write those prescriptions for each patient. Sometimes what I've seen is um, they'll know who's coming in for the next week for what procedure they're coming in for, and they'll write all of those scripts out, um, and then you can fill them, have them ready. The patient can come by, pick them up before they go to the dentist's office. So that's kind of how I've seen it handled. Is that kind of what you're seeing, Sebastian? Well, I, I can tell you, when I go to the dentist's office, they schedule my next appointment six months in advance. So they, they right. have a pretty good idea of who's coming next week. Yeah. And usually they do like certain products. And once they are able to identify those products, it's pretty easy to respond to those particular patients. And yeah, mm -hmm. patients are pretty happy to swing by and pick up stuff before. Like you can think about the antibiotic treatment that they get the prescription for their next appointment an hour before. And that's another way to get do it is swing by the pharmacy and pick it up. So you have it in hand before or head to the pharmacy after your appointment. Right. Right. And, and so that, that was kind of like the, 
you know, the low hanging fruit is obviously the dental gels, but what do you see kind of that's, that's more interesting in practice that you think is really unique in the dental world? Sure. Um, there's several things that um, I think we're offering um, that is unique compared to, you know, what's commercially available. I mentioned burning mouth syndrome before. Um, we see that a lot. I mean, that's something that um, is probably undertreated for lack of uh, treatment options. Um, we see it mostly in women who are postmenopausal age, but you can see it in other uh, patients as well. But the pri primarily, your patients are going to be postmenopausal, which can lead you to talk about hormone replacement as well. Um, but we have um, some treatment options like neuropathic pain medications that we combine with anesthetics um, that really help relieve the pain of that um, condition. And the condition kind of feels like you have your, your tongue is on fire. It can um, affect your tongue and also other parts of your mouth. It's very difficult for the patient um, then to eat and just to probably concentrate on much else than just the pain inside their mouth. That's got to be horrible. So um, that's one kind of unique idea. Um, the other one I love is, well, I've heard it called baby root canal. Um, the three mix MP is another name for that, but it's a combination of metronidazole, ciprofloxacin, and minocycline. So if you have a child who say needs a root canal, um, this is a way that they can go in and um, instead of doing a full root canal for the child and having to come in for um, two visits or at least two visits, um, they're able to um, go in and place this product into uh, the tooth and then they can close it up and it's a one, you know, kind of one visit. So the child only has to go through the trauma of that you know, visit one time, they can have their anesthetic one time. It's just a lot less traumatizing um, for the children. So that one's another real cool one. It's been around for a while and you'll see variations of it. Um, but, uh, and it's well cited in the literature as well. So um, that's something pretty easy to talk to your dentist about, especially your pediatric dentist. Um, let's see. Some other things that we do um, for dry socket, dry socket is just a super painful situation that happens after you have a tooth extraction. So once the tooth is extracted, typically what happens is a, a blood clot will form over that area. And it, it, it protects the area, it protects that um, nerve from pain and from um, you know, just trauma and that kind of thing. But, in uh, this typically happens about three to four days after the tooth is extracted, but sometimes that clot can either dissolve or become dislodged, and it is a very painful condition um, for the patient. So we like to combine things that will heal, um, will treat the pain, and also act um, to help prevent infection. So like a phenytoin with an anesthetic and an antibiotic works really well. And we're able to put it into um, a dosage form that stays in place. So um, that's another, that one's um, 
it, we see that quite often as well. And it's good to have um, something on hand um, and uh, to be able to offer when you have a patient that comes in um, like that. Of course, it has to be patient specific. So you may want to have that available. Um, so when the dentist calls, you can, you can have that ready to go. And some of those are anhydrous too. So that helps with the beyond view state being a little bit longer. So anyway, those are a few, I can keep going, but. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned the dry socket and the pain. And, and, and this is my own personal perspective is undertreated pain in the mouth can lead to some pretty serious complications. And so mm -hmm. aggressive pain management um, opportunities there. And like you said, the, the dry socket pace with phenytoin and anesthetic, but TMJ um, and uh, trigeminal neuralgia, tri tempular mandibular joint syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, these are the ones that get picked up at the dentist first because they're the ones who are mm -hmm. like, hey, can you open your mouth? And they're like, I can't, or I'll get a migraine. And instantly they're mm -hmm. like, ooh, maybe we look at options there. And so there's some other compounding options there as well. Absolutely. We do topical um, transdermal pain medication. Um, on the face, near the facial nerve, and at the joint, the TMJ joint, um, that are very effective and can help prevent, um, help prevent, you know, like you said, further pain, further inflammation, because you set up, you know, the last thing you want is an inflammatory condition that becomes chronic, um, you know, and that's, you know, can lead to so many other things. Um, well, migraines, and then I've seen CRPS as a result, mm -hmm. result of a bad pain management after root canal. I've seen all mm -hmm. sorts of issues in these patients. Mm -hmm. So offering up those services of being different. So, Right. Absolutely. Now, yep. Mike looks like he's ready to ask a question. So I'm, I'm going to defer to Mike's <laughs> question. Yeah, I was not ready to essentially ask a question, Trish. It's more of a comment and then potentially we'll probably open up more dialogue on the subject. You, um, you know, listening to you guys go over the, the quote unquote low hanging fruit, things that dentists will truly understand, realize that there's an opportunity for marketing, but not necessarily for marketing, but truly to be a solution for patients. But, you know, you brought up something really interesting when we started the podcast, you said some of these quote unquote compounding ideas have existed for 20 years. How has that evolved? Because what may have existed 20 years ago? Could still be applicable and might be still part of a conversation for a solution but what has changed most recently you know given the changes that we've made from an innovation point of view the creation of new bases i, I think that is something that has also changed the way we've looked at dry mouth and oral mucositis so you know can we probably shed a bit more light in terms of the the new formulations things that have completely been revamped or Reevaluated based on new delivery systems that we also have. Absolutely, yes. I think a lot of things have changed since I started doing this. Um, believe it or not, we were still using some mercury-containing products um, back then. That makes me sound really old, guys. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things have changed. I think we do have this remarkable base um, called Mucolox that is, has really changed a lot for us because what we once had to use three 
five times a day, you know, three to five times a day, we can use two to three times a day. And as you know, patient compliance is huge. It's one of the main reasons uh, our treatments fail in the first place. So mucolox, because it creates this long lasting coating inside the mouth, um, it helps reduce the number of times per day that we do things. So that, that to me has been a fantastic new development in the area of dentistry. So, so I would say one of the things that probably most dentists were aware of when it came to compounding pharmacy was something that is as old as can be, which is the quote unquote magic mouthwash. You know, you would always hear that, well, we don't really do anything except magic mouthwash. It was the only real script that would resonate with dentists and they would understand that that was something that needed to be compounded and could be compounded. Um, you know, how has Mucolox changed the way that compounding pharmacies have approached the, I'm not going to call it replacement, but the evolution of magic mouthwash. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Magic mouthwash is um, a blessing and a curse in my opinion in dental <laughs> uh, compounding because it has some really wonderful applications, um, but I find that it's overused and used for the wrong things so often. Um, like for instance, we'll use magic mouthwash, which contains, you know, an antifungal and sometimes an antibiotic for burning mouth, right? And so that's maybe not a great choice, but, um, mucolox, when you use magic mouthwash for what it's intended for, um, for mucositis, um, it, it, it has changed the game completely. For that because um, like I said, you don't have to use it as often. Your compliance is better. So it, yeah, that's changed it completely. The other thing um, that PCCA can offer is that we've done a beyond use state study for magic mouthwash, which um, is huge because we have some patients that need this, um, you know, for longer than a two week period um, again, compliance is always an issue. So if you can give them something that has a longer beyond use date um, that's been studied um, using forced degradation, um, then we're able to offer them um, just an easier way to get their product and not have to come to the pharmacy every two weeks. So it's really can you good. Give more details on that formula. Um, what else is in there that I'm not going to say it makes it unique, but what else in there could be easily marketed and explained to a dentist and let the patient know as well that the beyond use dating is so important and so vital to the overall preparation? Well, I think if they just understand that, you know, if they've ever gotten a magic mouthwash before, they know about the short, short date. Mm -hmm. It's all about the having a patient get there sooner. So uh, or sorry, um, that the patient doesn't have to come to the pharmacy as often. So, I mean, that's, that's me is just the real critical piece about that. Um, it's your standard magic mouthwash. I don't remember the ingredients exactly. I believe it's got lidocaine, um, diphenhydramine, nystatin. Um, those are the three that I recall just off the top of my head. Uh, but it's a pretty standard um, formula. And I think that it's important to note that this is the bridge between dentistry and oncology because 
the radiation burns, the mucositis, that's common, mm -hmm. one of the most common side effects of chemotherapy treatment. All of a sudden it's like the, the dentists are seeing these, these issues and they're like, are you getting chemotherapy? And they're like, oh, magic mouthwash for everyone. And yeah. we can do better. And it's, it's kind of a unique sure. opportunity, especially when you, you already know your patient population that's mm -hmm. had a diagnosis of cancer. You can head that off at the past much earlier as a recommendation. Hey, we know you're going to get a magic mouthwash. Here's an opportunity to do something better. Let me talk to your doctor before it gets bad. And that, right. that's one of the, probably the biggest innovations that I've seen with, with Mucolox is mm -hmm. those patient populations that are, that are, that are willing to abandon their chemotherapeutics because they're just, their mouth hurts too much and they can't mm -hmm. eat. And they're like, you know, <laughs> everyone's got to live their life and everyone's got their different, yeah. different drivers. But, but when you take away someone's ability to eat and drink and even enjoy anything, right. it's huge. So. Yeah, it is hard when we get those calls about like grade three and grade four, uh, mucositis when we know we could have prevented that. I mean, and they're, like you said, not able to eat or drink. Um, you know, I think in most cases we, we do have the tools to help prevent that um, from even getting that bad. But if it is that bad, then we've got some alternatives for that as well. Um, like there was a study using ketamine in grade three and four. Um, which showed um, they, the patients that used it got better sleep than they did with just a pure lidocaine um, and they got better um, pain control. And then um, it was also, it didn't burn as much as the lidocaine does. So when your mouth is that painful as it is, I mean, it's nice to be able to offer alternatives and better options when patients are at the end of their rope per se. Now, switching back, do you have any other key formulas that you've noticed, or especially in the last, you know, three to five years that kind of, that really percolate up and that aren't necessarily the, the low hanging fruit, but really, really good for kind of a patient perspective. I have a couple in the back of my mind. I'm just curious as to what you're thinking. Well, I was kind of thinking about, you know, the new combinations that we have for dental anesthetics. Those have been very popular the long and short acting um, anesthetics that we can use. Um, I, you know, let's see, maybe I'm not thinking of the same ones you're thinking of, Sebastian. Now you're making me nervous. Um, I can plan us all day long. I get one of those calls every couple of days. It's like, what have you got for? And it's just yeah, like, oral lichen planus and like, um, herpes skin and the herpetic lesions on the mouth we get those all the time mm -hmm. what are you thinking about yep um the other ones that i thought about was there was a run on midazolam oral liquid for a while mm -hmm. um, and just making sure that the patients were looked after because mm -hmm. they they ran out of it and we're still getting calls about that because when they've gone back to the if the commercial comes back there the kids are just rejecting it they don't like the flavor they don't like the taste or there's preservatives or sweeteners in there that they can't have and so it's kind of, again, bridging that gap of pediatrics as well as mm -hmm. sort of the dentistry world and giving that specialized option. And, and trust me, uh, my, my wife would drive to the ends of the earth if my daughter needed something specific that no one else could do. She'd be like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm there, I'm picking it up. Like we all, we all would as, as parents. So but, definitely. Um, lichen planus, what it, and I'm going to put you on the spot. So if you need to think about it for a few seconds, but what, <laughs> it, what is your sort of favorite go-to formula there? Well, um, I like tricrolimus myself. Um, 
there's there's good literature. I always like to find literature if I can. Um, combined with steroids sometimes, um, I think is helpful. And then we can use an anesthetic if we need to. Um, the beauty of it is we can figure out based on what um, our, you know, the practitioner and the pharmacist know about their patient and make it really specific um, for that particular patient age group. Um, specific condition, um, most troublesome um, um, symptom, you know, and we can kind of focus on that. What do you like to use? Um, I, I'm kind of a little bit slightly different. I got, I picked this one up from our team, but retinoic acid can be an effective addition. Yeah. Um, depending if, if we can identify if there needs to have an antiviral. Um, I tend to heavily go a little bit more on the pain ones because these people who come in and they're like, they can't speak, their tongue's cracking and they're, then they're bleeding and it's just a mess. So there might be tranexamic acid thrown into the mix as well, depending upon what they need, right? Like right. we've got all of these flexible options and it's fun. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had experience with naltrexone? I've, I've had a few. <laughs> on, uh, I, it. <laughs> I couldn't help bringing it up, but. Yeah, I mean, I have had some fail on tacrolimus and I've used it successfully. Um, so mm -hmm. I didn't know if you had any experience. Exactly the same. We, I go through other steps first before I recommend it. And then it's half percent and we put it in mucolox and we put it right over top along in combination with pain control. But it's got mm -hmm. its own anti-inflammatory and almost this ability to help clear some of the uh, underlying viral infection. We know that. So, yeah. It's, it's worked out very well. It tastes terrible though. I'm not going to lie. That's why I don't go to it first. It's like the last choice. It's like, oh God, it's terrible. <laughs> so, um, here we are. Mike's just kind of standing there. He's like, are you guys going to keep talking clinical? No, this is, this clinical is exactly what our audience is going to probably want to listen to. You know, the clinical conversation of why this is important, what they can do, and how it could be marketed or explained in a different manner. Cause I can guarantee you every single compounding pharmacy has received a patient or had a patient come into their store and explain an issue. And they might not have had a solution and they might not have had or thought outside the box of things that could be done differently because I believe it just doesn't come top of mind. And that could be my own perception is that this is, um, this is a, a sub niche within compounding that probably required or deserves more attention. We probably could have done this 30 episodes ago and it probably would have still had a tremendous amount of value. I, I think the clinical information that you guys are talking about, you guys are the experts. Um, you are the reason why, you know, people tune in to the podcast in general is to get all these nuggets and these pearls of information that are dissected and then brought back to reality with a given formula, a base, a delivery system that completely makes sense. And I think the, the only responsibility or what I can potentially do to expand on this is to open the perspective of the fact that there are so many dentists. I don't care where you live. I don't care where you go. There are far more dental offices than there are physicians offices. And it's a takeaway in any community, especially in new communities. I don't know um, if that's a, a common problem across the United States, Canada, or even worldwide, is that the moment there's new subdivisions and new areas where people are technically migrating to, and if your pharmacy is in an area that is becoming more populated, 
you tend to see dental offices just popping up everywhere, everybody opening up new practices. So it's also an audience. It's a great way to, to take yourself out, outside the box of saying, I need to find a new pediatrician or a new dermatologist or a new just family practice that I can go out and market what we do as a compounding pharmacy. There is a wider amount or a wider quantity of dental practices that need to know what is available to them. And I think the responsibility of the community pharmacy at that point is to educate those hundreds and thousands of dental offices that pop up because a lot of these individuals are right out of school. They're new practices, they're, they're dentists and either oral surgeons that have not been practicing for very long where compounding is really not necessarily on their radar. So to have a better understanding of what the pharmacy can do, the role within their community to, to bridge the gap with all this clinical knowledge that you guys have, the resources available through PCCA, whether it's Mucolox or the formulations that could be the problem solver, I, I think it just brings everything together. One of the, uh, the cool things that stands out to me is, we may have brought this up in the past, but we have a dedicated resources page on the members only website specifically that is dedicated for members use. Um, for compounding idea sheets. So a lot of the information that you guys are bringing up are consolidated within one specific document focused on dentistry alone. It's probably a three-page document, consists of more than 40 or 50, potentially even more formulations that cover dry socket, that cover oral mucositis, that cover the magic mouthwash, quote unquote, in terms of what you guys already discussed, et cetera, et cetera. So the, there's so many different things that can be done. So I would highly encourage those, the listeners that are members to dig deeper on the compounding idea sheets to kind of give a summary of everything that you guys discussed. And I think the most important thing too, that is open for everybody is to read your blog, Trish, because your blog really encompasses everything that we're chatting about today and covers all these little um, concerns or challenges or issues that for the most part, quote unquote, commercially available medicine doesn't resolve. And there's a need to have that product customized and prepared at the compounding pharmacy level. So I think it, it's so cool to hear you guys chat about all these specific things. I always learn something new about Sebastian. He's probably gonna, you know, we talked about horses. I learned that Sebastian worked with horses. We talk about something completely different. I learned that, I, I don't know, Sebastian, did you go to dentistry school? Because I wouldn't be surprised to find that this is just something else under your um, your umbrella of knowledge in your 52 years of existence. And I called out your age because if you didn't know you, uh, most people would probably think you were 90 years old with the amount of jobs and expertise that you have. Um, but it, it is funny to me and that's why like, it just, it shows the breadth of knowledge that you have. It shows the breadth of knowledge that Trish has on our clinical services team for up to 20 years as well. Um, and then managing a lot of these requests that we get on a daily basis. Clinical services is who we are as an organization. And to the listeners out there, we will never turn away from the clinical knowledge that you guys have. Well, I, I, I'm not saying I went to dentistry school, but I've spent a lot of time in a dentistry chair. And I, I think that the dentistry uh, group altogether are absolutely phenomenally uh, forward-thinking practitioners and they are an underlying resource for your practice to thrive. If you're not talking to dentists, you're, it, it's almost like you're turning your back on this, this huge patient population that is, would be greatly appreciative. I, I think 
dentistry is almost like this it was pharmacy then dentistry way back in the days because if you don't take care of your teeth uh, once they drop out you have real problems but it can actually be the source of a lot of infections and life-altering infections and and so getting a handle on your on your dentist and making sure people's teeth are healthy and their mouths are healthy man it's it's wildly rewarding so something to do it is and i think the message really is is you know, get out of the pharmacy or have someone dedicated to focus on the dental offices as well, because there's a tremendous opportunity. And for the most part, I think a lot of the marketing fears of, you know, waiting around for a physician, trying to get their valuable time. Um, it almost appears that, you know, veterinarians, dental offices are probably easier to get into um, and to get past those gatekeepers and to deliver the information of what you're able to do. Um, I, I even recall where we used to live, and, and this was within London, Ontario, which was our Canadian headquarters. We had a, my dentist was literally maybe a half a mile down the road and they were completely familiar with who we were and the compounding pharmacists around us that, that focused on specialty medication. So, and they were willing to learn a lot more, which I thought was an amazing takeaway was that this is a captive audience as well that is always looking for solutions and ways to work with their community pharmacies that are local to think about how they can treat patients differently. So that was kind of my takeaway. And I think it's important for everyone to take note of is that these are willing individuals that have a professional practice that is suited to consumer behavior and obviously to customer excellence. They, they want to retain happy patients. Um, most people have fears of dentists, myself included. Uh, and do not enjoy going there every six months. But at the same part, knowing that you're in an ecosystem that you're well-treated and you're thought about, I think that goes a long way with patients specifically. I think it's my British heritage with my bad teeth that I spent so much time with dentists and like them so much. So I don't know. I, I think I'm not scared of them at all. I'm like, oh, thank God you're here. So <laughs> anyways, on that note, do you have any other thoughts, Trish, before we uh, let you get back to work? Um, sure. I mean, I think um, something that Dr. Kiratola brought up and kind of the overarching theme of what we're talking about is how important the mouth is for our general health. And, um, you know, just, you know, he focused some on periodontal disease and how important it is to get a handle on that because it, you know, over time, it, it, what, what it does is it increases your body's burden of inflammation. Um, and we talk about inflammation all the time. So I would say, let's just not separate the, the, you know, the body from the mouth, you know, and they're all connected to our health and our general well-being. So, um, and I agree with you, Mike, I think so many dentists are really, um, really up in their game, doing things more naturally, doing, um, new, more innovative things, um, so much more so than 20 years ago. It's, it's been a remarkable change and that's all, um, you know, due to the dentists and the dental community. I think it's, it's awesome. I'm just glad we're here to help and uh, we have options for them. But thanks for letting me come on today. Yeah, it's, it's always another, you know, despite how many episodes we've done, it still just goes to show you it's something else that exists that is there that is a huge opportunity that we get a lot of calls we have a lot of formulas for you know this disease state and i think it just it calls attention to it and i'm happy that the both of you are able to do more of a deep dive on the, the clinical side 
because it, it probably deserves a bit more attention and there's more opportunity out there as well. So it's not to discount the fact that it is another sub niche of compounding that, that we believe uh, can be further expanded. And we hope that the listeners, those that are really looking at being engaged with compounding see as another opportunity. It's not just doing hormones or, or potentially pain preparations or, or scar treatments. You know, there's a, a bunch of different things that you could do and it's about thinking outside the box. And I think you guys really did a great job of covering it. So thank you, Trish, for coming back. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks again. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. I'm, I, I really hope, like I said, that from a clinical point of view, there was a lot of great takeaways and to learn more of compounding opportunities specifically. And if you are a member of PCCA, I highly encourage you to do a deeper dive on our resource page and learn more about dental compounding and some of the formulations that Trish and Sebastian also discussed specifically so that you could potentially dig up more information and learn more about mucolox as well, uh, if and when you do get some of those prescriptions for magic mouthwash. But once again, thank you for listening. If you would like to stay in touch to read Trish's blog, just as a, a footnote, if you do visit PCCARx.com and see the blog on our top header, you have access to all of our archived blog content historically. And her recent blog article was written in January, so it should appear right near the top. And if you do want to stay connected with us over our social media, visit us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. As always, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on any platform that you follow us along with. And we definitely hope that you don't miss another episode. But until next time, my name is Mike Delisio, and thank you for listening.